On this week's show, my special guest and co-host is Julio from The Contrarians. He has been on the P's a few times and he's back. This time we discussed our favorite scenes in movies in which the characters are crying. Not necessarily if we cried or if the bulk of the audience cries, but if the character cried. This one was interesting and I love having Julio on the show. Please check the show notes this week to find him and his partner Alex over at The Contrarians. And welcome to another episode of Two P's. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome into another episode of Two Peas on a Podcast. I'm so thrilled that you joined us again this week. You know, last week I had one of the contrarians on. We did raunchy comedies, sex comedies. So naturally, as a little bit of a double header this week, I've got the other contrarian back on the show. He's been on before. He's a good friend of the show, good friend of mine, patron of the show. Julio from the Contrarians is back. What's up, man? How are you? Hey, how's it going? Going it's going good, man. It's going good. You're here. It's it's very I think the last couple times times that I recorded with you, I couldn't even see you. I think we had the cameras off. And and now right. there's just so much visual like stuff behind you, in front of you. Yeah. That's I was trying to figure out what the what the what's the big like on uh, the bottom row of your DVDs or your Blu-rays, the other side. There's like a Over big here. block. Yeah, what's that one? Right here? Yeah. That's uh Nightmare on Elm Street, Freddy series. So that's all of them plus Freddy vs. Jason? That's correct. Yeah. Nice. They're all in there. All the nightmare films. It wasn't a very good transfer though, but that's all we have except for the dvd set which i also have in my house so until they release 4k or get a better transfer that's what i'm living with over here well you know horror <laughs> guys gotta do what horror guys gotta do exactly yeah but everybody listening to the podcast has no idea what we're talking about <laughs> but we're on youtube right now as well so julio is pointing can... out some things that he can see in the background there yeah now I, I had alex on last week right or at least as these episodes are being released it would be last week and we did now he chose that topic and he decided to do raunchy sex comedies that sounds now like you're it. His, I was going to say, now you're his partner over there at The Contrarians, and you chose this topic. So why don't you tell everyone kind of what you picked, first of all, and what we're going to be counting down, and then kind of what the disparaging kind of difference between you and Alex is, because these are not the same. Well, I mean, we're not defined by the one topic, Gerald. Sure. And I feel like the whenever I've been on the show before, on your show, it's been... Topics that kind of had to do with our show because we did like, uh, I think we did underrated movies or maybe overrated movies. And then, you know, it was always like, oh, and this is a run tomato score for that one. So I kind of wanted right. to get away from that and just do something that was a little, uh, a little different maybe a little more emotional and uh, mm-hmm. I was under the impression and now of course now I'm not sure that you had in your past already an episode about your like the scenes that had made you cry we not to interrupt you but we did I would have told you had I done that what we did though my my ex co-host Andy and I did our tearjerker movies so like movies that make us cry okay well close That's enough That's, yeah I, I think that is probably what I read somewhere and then I was like okay well instead what we can do is movies where the characters characters cry because that seemed mm. like still similar to what i wanted to do originally but different enough that it wouldn't be a repeat uh of your episode and so now i don't know i'm curious to see if you had any sort of criteria when you were picking your yeah because you need to well, yeah, it well, yeah i wanted to ask you so I, I guess not really for me you know for me it was just like i, I didn't want to be 
I didn't want to dig too deep. So I wanted it to be like they came to mind right away or like I looked at my you know, movie collection. I was like, oh yeah, that scene. I always remember that scene. But I didn't do a ton of Googling or anything like that mm-hmm. this time just because, you know, I wanted it to be an authentic, like I remember the character crying. Right. Like, that's a piece of the film that I remember. You know, I might love the movie and, I, you know, I got to pull my list up, Julio, but in some cases I might not even love the movie as a whole so much, but I right. remember the scene in particular that we might be talking about. Let me look through this real quick. Yeah, there's actually a couple movies on my list that I'm not like super, super crazy about. I mean, I don't hate them, but these scenes in particular really stood out to me. So that was really the only criteria for me, man, is, was that I remembered it from my initial viewing of it, like it was just such a powerful cry or emotional scene. But I want to hear about your criteria a little bit, because you said you were kind of going to kind of take a left turn from some of the mainstream ideas, right? Well, yeah. So I didn't want to have, I was, I mean, I've done it every time, I think, that, we, that I've been on your show, where I've tried to sure. not have a crossover with you, because it's just an extra challenge. Uh, mm-hmm. And then I... I did kind of like the, I started the way you did, which is like, okay, what came to mind right away? Because those are usually the strongest. Maybe not, they may not be at the top of my list, but they definitely have to be somewhere in the list. And so I wrote those down and then I just started, you know, whatever I remembered. Then I actually went to Google just to knock things off my list. Like at some point I had a list of 22. So I went to Google and I saw like the ones okay. that were being mentioned everywhere and I took those off. Okay. Um, all right. And then when it came to arranging them, I kind of knew what I wanted my number one to be. And uh, and we'll get there. We'll talk about it when we get there. But five through two, they're actually, there's, they're just, there's no dialogue. It's just people crying, which okay. once I saw that it was shaping up that way, I made it happen that way. So I don't know, right. I don't know how they'll stand against yours, but this is just actually people crying. No, no words. Well, I've stayed off of Google. So this is going to be interesting. Like, cause when I made this list specifically, I did not like research online. I just came up with it based on my movie collection and like my memory. So mm-hmm. it's going to be interesting to see if you police some of these picks that maybe were too obvious in, in terms of what people think of consensusly. But now what I want to ask you is so, and I guess we'll, I mean, we're going to find out when we get into your list, but without giving any titles away or any scenes away. So are these all scenes that made you cry or would at least have the potential to make you cry as a viewer? My number one. Uh-huh. Uh, the Everything else on my list, nope. But the people okay. in the scenes are crying. And some of them might have moved okay. me and some of them might have made me laugh. So... It's, oh, uh, okay. I see how you did that. It's a little there. bit of everything. All there. of mine, all of mine in my top five wrecked me. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> like I <laughs> sobbed in my all of the ones in my top five. Now, in, in my outer top five, in my honorable mentions, there's a couple that if I if you catch me at the right moment, it might get me. But I more just admire the acting because it's really hard to pull off. I mean, right? Because you watch some of these crying scenes, at least the ones that are intended to be emotional, and it like can come off as cheesy or like overacting like it's really hard to pull off man like an authentic like emotional cry uh i feel like so but in my top five they all just really convince me go ahead what were you gonna say yeah it's sometimes uh, the well i was gonna say the the wrong kind of crying in a movie can take you out of it and so but i've 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 tried to focus just specifically on the crying and forget about the movie around it i mean unless it okay. directly affects it so yeah i mean like you I, I i'm pretty sure yeah i like all the movies on my list but mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that they're like my top 10 movies or even close some of them might be but but not all of them okay interesting all right man well let's get into it julio julio from the contrarians is here he's been on a couple times before you nailed it we did good bad movies initially when you came yes. on 
Yeah. And then shit, I can't remember what we did last time. Can you? We did. Uh, We've done. Two it was more. another. It was. Oh, we did two more. There was another one that was very similar to that. I remember going. We need to stop having you on for stuff that we hate. Right. But I can't remember. And then we did something <laughs> that was kind of uh, a little happier, but I don't yeah. remember what it was. Well, now we're gonna cry. So I'm taking you all over the place emotionally. I apologize for that. That's all right. That's that's what life is all about. All right, man. All right, man. So Julio, what is your number five uh, crying scene? I guess we're just gonna call these crying scenes, right? Crying scenes, crying in movies, yeah, crying scenes. Good. Yeah. All right. So uh, number five, number five. And th- here's the one thing that I it's tricky, and I apologize if I spoil a movie for somebody because you know these these crying oh, moments yeah. are usually big moments in a movie. So if you haven't seen That's it, true. then you probably want to like skip to the next pick. True. Uh, spoiler alert on all uh, all of mine too. I don't really have any quote unquote recent ones, but th- I'm glad you mentioned that because there's a couple of mine where like what happens causes the crying, and if you haven't seen the movie, you might not want to know that. Right. So, yeah. yeah. They're usually big moments. So my number five is uh, it's not, even though it's that's how it started, it's it's not glory. You know, the, the classic single tear from Denzel. Oh, the that's, best. Yeah. We reference it all the time in our show. Whenever the Oscar like, tear, man. Exactly. The Oscar tear. The, the single tear that everybody yeah. kind of like aspires to. People have tried to replicate it to, you know, varying degrees of success. I think that the best example of a, of a Denzel single tear emulation is Michael Fassbender in Shame. Now, this is not much of a that's spoiler a one. but it's you know it's kind of like halfway through the movie this this a man that's he's a sex addict he's kind of shut off from the world and he goes out uh with his friend to see his own sister perform she played by by gerald morris favorite carrie mulligan and, carrie mulligan yeah so she's on stage and she sings a very uh i guess emotional rendition of uh new york new york and the camera cuts to fastbender and he's just kind of transfixed watching his sister perform mm-hmm. and then the single tear comes out and you're like ah mm-hmm. acting give him the oscar yeah, i really yeah I like shame a lot. I, I know it's pretty divisive. Some people don't care for it. I rewatched it recently, and I, I think it holds up. And that moment is great. She sings the whole song. I think it's it's a really long sequence, and it's you know close-ups of her, close-ups of Fassbender, and close-ups of uh, his friend, which I don't remember who plays him, but it's a it's a well-known character actor. And and the the whole thing is that the friend is very you know he's just like kind of like that horn dog friend that you have mm-hmm. that kind of like you're friends with him, but he embarrasses you. And one of the right. problems in the movie is that he goes after Fassbender. Bender's sister. So, so that's my yeah. number five. It's a, it's a really good start, I think. Just a single tear. We'll have more waterworks coming through, but... I, I do too. I think that's a good one. It's one I didn't think of. And I also, I'm, on, I'm in the camp with you where I love this movie. I know it's a very divisive film, like you said. And a lot of people just hate on this movie. I think it's hard to watch for a lot of people. And it that's is. True. I mean, it's it, it's a tough watch for sure. But it, I dig it, man. Steve McQueen, one of his best, I think. So Fastbender just giving it. That's a perfect scene you just mentioned to kind of put his acting on display in that film, I feel like. So that's a good one. My number five is different. Now, I rewatched this scene on YouTube before we started recording because I'm thinking to myself, hang on a second. What? Was there crying in this scene or was it just me <laughs> sobbing like a fucking mess every time I watch it? It's both, but the tears are very subtle and it's going to be the only animated mention oh. on my list. And it's from 2015's Inside Out when Bing Bong fades away. You've seen Inside Out or no? Of course I have. Of All course. Right. And I know I know what you're talking about and who cries? 
Joy? Joy. Okay. Joy cries. Yeah, Joy cries. You can actually see the water swelling up in her eyes when she realizes that he's gone. So I had it on my list, and then I'm like, well, wait a second. I don't think anybody cries except me. Because <laughs> I cry like a fucking idiot when I see it. <laughs> but I rewatch it, and you they, you know, the way the animation is drawn, you can actually see the water kind of welling up in her mm-hmm. eyes. Mm-hmm. The scene does cut away before you see tears pouring, but you do see the tears welling up and starting to build there in her eyes and her tear ducts. So, I mean, this scene just kills me man i mean pixar has a knack for really in every movie they've ever put out for giving the audience a reason to get emotional and cry and get choked up and in this movie i mean growing up and riley's character you know bing bong was this imaginary friend that helped her through a lot of things in her young life and you know he's just fading from her memory because she's moving on she's a teenager now and you know unless you're andy in toy story you're not playing with those toys at 18 years old yeah (laughs) you're forgetting about a lot you're forgetting about all that stuff I it's just really sad to me. It really touches me every time I see it. I wouldn't have guessed that you could that Pixar the movie would make you sad about the demise of an imaginary friend, you know? It's right. usually cause for celebration. It's like, oh, that kid is moving on. They're growing up, you know. They're in, but they managed to frame it in a way that is just so fucking sad. The mm-hmm. did you watch it in theaters and cry in the theater when it happened? I did. I was very emotional when I watched it in the theater, and I think this was one. Forgive me for no. I did see this with my daughter. I saw this with my daughter in the theater. So she must have been. Was that five years ago? Right, six years ago. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So she was probably thirteen when we saw this, and her and I were both just a fucking mess. I mean, we were just both like, she was doing that thing. My, I don't know if you go to the movies with your wife or whatever, and, and they do this. But like, my daughter does this thing when she's watching a movie. If she's like, doesn't like what's happening on screen or something's making her feel a certain emotion that she wasn't ready to elicit, she'll start like hitting me like it's my fault. <laughs> <laughs> and I can remember watching this and she's like getting, you know, choked up. And she's like hitting me like, why am I getting choked up? I'm like, I didn't write this movie. I don't know. I'm getting choked up too. So yeah, we were both pretty emotional over that scene. And every, this is one of those movies which can't be said for all the ones on my list tonight, but this one specifically, every time I see that scene, I get choked up. Like, every time. It's just the way that it's filmed and shot and the voice acting. You actually mentioned the voice acting on Twitter the other day in our chat. Just a tremendous uh, movie. One of my favorite Pixar films, too. So that's my number five, man. All right, back over to you, buddy. What do you got? All right. So number four, we're going to go a little international, but not too obscure because this is a a filmmaker that has definitely established himself in Hollywood. But right when he was uh, doing that, he was breaking in, I guess, to the States, he directed Y Tu Mama Tambien. That's Alfonso Mm -hmm. Cuaron. Have you seen it? This is not like a huge spoiler, but... I haven't seen this one, but this is one that I'm super familiar with. I've just never seen it. It's just a blind spot for me. It's really good. I mean, acquired taste. It's I, I know some people, famously Nicholas Haskins from Nikolai's Kitchen, who was pretty lukewarm after I recommended it to him. But there's there's a lot of voiceovers, so there's that. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. Uh, without spoiling much, I mean, it's a story of a road trip. These two teenage friends go on a trip with an older woman, and uh, they just kind of have adventures, you know, and they travel through Mexico. And uh, in the background, you kind of get to see the, the you know, social political state of the country. But in the foreground, it's just these two young guys kind of trying their hardest to impress this older woman. And, mm-hmm. and you know, their relationship deepens as the movie goes along. But earlier in the movie, they're like, I think it's right before she decides to go on their trip with them. Uh, there's a scene where she 
gets a phone call or she makes a phone call. I think it's from a, from a payphone. She's by herself. The two guys are somewhere else. And all you see is that after the phone call, she's crying. This is the crying scene. It's just like she's bawling. And the movie doesn't tell you what's going on. Like she's, the movie doesn't tell you why she's crying. You find out much, much later. But all you see is, is like, you know, she's acting like an adult in front of the kids. But then, you know, she gets a phone call away from them. She cries. And then when she comes back to them, She's she's back to normal. And it takes so long for them to address it that you almost forget why, you know, that that happened. Except that you wouldn't because it's such a powerful thing. It's just like the one shot, if I remember correctly. And it's just her breaking down. And then, you know, next scene, she's back to normal. And then when you find out, you know, uh, later in the movie, what, what was the deal with the phone call, then... It all makes sense. So, okay. really good in Spanish. You know, just guys get over get over the fear of subtitles in in subtitles. Just... I watch subtitles for everything. Local news are on subtitles here, so I'm good. <laughs> We're old now. We need we need the subtitles <laughs> just to make out what people are saying. But yeah, it's a good it, it's a really good movie. And uh, uh, the guys, the two teenagers, I mean, they went on to become big deals if they weren't already. Like uh, one is Diego Luna, who you know everybody knows him mm-hmm. now from Rogue One, and yep. uh, the other one is oh my god, I don't remember his name, but you know he's been in a bunch of movies most recently. He at the Oscars when Coco was nominated for best song. He's a guy that came mm-hmm. out and sang the song. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, no, yeah, I know. A whole bunch of things. Yeah, but they're both like really, really well known. But this is kind of like when they were first cool, man. starting. All right, so there you go. That's your number four. My number four is a pretty popular movie that I'm assuming you've seen. I, I know you've heard of it, but it's from Brokeback Mountain, 2005. Yes. And it, it's a scene in the last act of the movie towards the end of the film when Ennis finds his shirt at Jack's home when he goes to see Jack's parents. You know, Jack has passed away at this point and. Ennis is trying to come to terms with that, portrayed by Heath Ledger, who is obviously one of the greatest modern actors that we lost way too early. And this is one of his best performances, man, because it is so subtle, just such a subdued performance, man. He just really was calm and just still charismatic, but he was really, it was really a calm performance in this movie. Not a lot of, you know, outbursts and like Oscar-y type stuff, Mm -hmm. but this scene, if, you know, was his Oscar material, if they were going to run that for him, because, you know, he just kind of, we get to see his closure and him like coming to grips with this you know tortured relationship that he had with Hall's character throughout this movie and you know he has to let go right I mean he ha- and he hadn't done that to this point and something as simple is as opening his closet and seeing that shirt that Jack had kept and that it was special to him and that it was hanging in his closet at his home and he just broke down you know he started hugging the shirt mm-hmm. fell down to the ground and just lost it the camera stayed on him for a couple minutes as he was dealing through that grief and through those emotions and uh, like I said he got his closure in that moment too so it is a little uplifting in that way as well but yeah I mean I love this movie it's one of the most beautiful like love stories I've seen in the last 20 years and if anybody hasn't seen Brokeback Mountain because they you know hear all the pop culture stuff and it's kind of become a caricature of itself a little bit in pop culture if you could take away all that noise and just watch it for what it is it's just such a beautiful story Ang Lee you know shot this movie movie so beautifully some of the best cinematography I've seen in a long time too so yeah that's the scene from Boat Back Mountains my number four what do you think about this one man have you seen this by the way I've seen it I saw it when it came out and I've been meaning to rewatch it mainly because I don't think I gave it its due when I first saw it uh, it was it was one of those movies that was the, the, watching it the experience was affected by how just by the hype you know it's like everybody had built it up to me and i there was this discourse at the time that you know from the people that were like it's not that great which was oh you know they're selling it to you as a love story but it's really you know are they really in love or are they just you know lusting after each other and uh, i remember that kind of like also just floating around my head when i was watching it 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 was uh 
I don't think that I really gave the movie the, the the attention that it required. Like I saw it in theaters, but I remember it was just one of those where you walk in with already an idea of what to expect or what everybody's been telling you. And then you spend the entire movie just kind of comparing it to the expectations instead of just kind of allowing yourself to fall under its spell. So I remember being very impressed by the by the performances and being just kind of uh, I liked that that it was that it had been made. You know, I, but that was back when I lived in College Station, which was a very conservative town, and I I would get a kick out of the people who would come to the the movie theater to watch it as I because they thought they were watching like a movie about cowboys, and then they would walk out like halfway through the movie because. You know, they were just like, ah, that's not what I signed up for. Blah, blah, blah. And so I appreciated that way. I was like, fuck yeah, you know, you need to like tell these stories. Right. But, but I remember being underwhelmed by the, by the actual love story. I was, and you know, I was, how long has it been? You know, th- at least 10, 12 years? 2005. So yeah, a while. Yeah. I, I think that if I watched it now, I probably would be able to appreciate just how low key the relationship is. But at the time, I was just like, okay, I get it. Not really, you know, I, because it was like what Best Picture nominee that year, and I remember yep. thinking, no, I mean, I had like other movies I liked better, but definitely you cannot argue either way with the with that final sequence that, that you know when he smells the yeah. the shirt, right? Yeah, just some of Ledger's best work in that scene there, and just a great young actor that you know left us way too soon. So you think about that a little bit too when you're watching it, perhaps, and that kind of seeps in a little bit there in terms of the emotion of the scene. But yeah, yeah. that's my number four. And we are back over to you, Julio. What do you got at three, man? Number three. Uh, number three is a funny one. And this is it is not a spoiler, even though it's at the end of the movie. But it's just, it's going to spoil a gag. And it's, there's something about Mary. At the very end of There's Something About Mary. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I know you've seen it. Uh, I've seen it. I'm I trying can't to think of what you... scene you're talking about. Oh, okay. Well, I'll tell you. I'll set it up for you. So there, everything has come out. All the truth has come out. Everybody's like in that room. And, you know, they're like, oh, well, you're not really, you, you know, you can walk. And you're not really like who you said you were. And everybody's telling their truths. And then Ben, uh, ben Stiller comes in with the guy that, that used to date... Cameron Diaz and mm-hmm. kind of like tells her, look, I went and I got him for you and explains whatever misunderstanding had made them break up, you know, and and then Cameron Diaz is like, oh, okay, so you're not really the horrible person I thought you were. And, you know, they it looks like they're getting back together. And then Ben Stiller is like, looks at everybody. I was like, well, now I'm leaving. I did my job, you know, and I'm, I'm the bigger man because I, I love this woman, but I, I fixed her old relationship. And then he walks out. The next shot is just him bawling as he walks out <laughs> just down the street. And he's just, he's just screaming as he's crying. Like it's just I remember that so yeah. over the top, and then of course you know she she finds him and, and they end up yeah. together. But that is just you know to me it's I knew I wanted at least one scene of uh, of just somebody crying for comedic purposes just so loudly, and uh, and that was the first one that that came to mind. And then once I had it, I was like, yep, this one's going on on the list. That's funny, man. I haven't seen that in too long. I, it's coming back to me as you're describing it, though. I can picture him kind of like you know trotting down the sidewalk there in the neighborhood and bawling. Mm-hmm. Are you are you a fan of Stiller, generally speaking? I love him. I, I think he's great. The Ferrelli brothers, I would say I probably like about half their movies. Uh, funny, Alex and I were talking about Kingpin the other day because I guess he brought up Kingpin when he, he did, did their episode. And, uh, yeah, he did. Yeah, he definitely likes it more than I do. And, you know, there's something about Mary's probably one I like the best. And that the one I've seen okay. most, most recently and more often, too. Yeah, I'm a fan of Ben Stiller, too. So I'm going to go back and rewatch these scenes when we're done. And I want to check that one out because I haven't seen it in a long time. But it's the memories are coming back to me. Yeah, there, it's, so you it's gotta, really funny. You got a funny one on your list there. Now, dude, my number three. Honestly, I don't know. This was close to being my number one because, <laughs> I mean, my top three are pretty much tied. But this is kind of a dark horse, I feel like. In fact, this 
this movie is a little bit underseen. I don't think enough people saw this when it came out initially. It did get some Academy Award love back then, too. It's a 2003 film called 21 Grams. Yes. Have you ever, have you ever seen it? I've seen it, but I don't know which scene you're talking about because so I've heard once this, only. The scene I'm going to mention and then I'm talking about is when Naomi Watts' character finds out, well, again, spoilers, guys, because this movie is centered basically on what I'm about to say. But <laughs> her character's name is Christina in the movie, and she finds out, I think it's from like, I think it's her sister or maybe her husband's sister, another family member, breaks the news to her over the phone. But she finds out that her husband and two children were killed, basically in a freak like car accident and she finds we know as the audience because the way the film is shot we saw the accident and she's like at swim practice when it happens Naomi Watts mm-hmm. and she's doing the whole thing at the YMCA or whatever and then this is happening at the same time and it's kind of doing that back and forth or whatever and we see the accident and Benicio del Toro was the driver that ended up killing her family kind of on accident inadvertently it's like a hit and run type situation and so we know that they're dead right and but she doesn't she's doing her whole routine and working out going to the pool and like whatever and then she finally gets the news and I don't know if you remember the scene, but Naomi Watts, when she finds out, like, oh, man. I mean, you just talk about, like, gut punch of emotion. Like, literally, you would have thought that this lady's family died. I mean, the way <laughs> that she acts in that scene. Like, it's like she was nominated for Academy Award that year. And I remember thinking, I wasn't as deep into the Academy Awards then as I am now. But I remember thinking at the time, like, that's got to be. I mean, <laughs> that's got to be Best Actress. I mean, I couldn't believe how well she sold that. Mm-hmm. And just the grief and like, just like the anguish that she felt in that moment. And I would just challenge anyone to put themselves in that type of situation when they're watching an acting performance like that on, you know, how you would act if you got that news and how you would feel and what your reaction would be. And hers, I felt, was so genuine and so authentic. And it just really, like, floored me, man. Like, this movie's a downer. Like, don't get me wrong. This is is a, a depressing movie. But if you can find this scene of Naomi Watts you know, discovering uh, the fate of her family. And that scene, that's the one I'm talking about. I want to say she's in her bedroom at the time, I think. It's either the bedroom or the kitchen, but she's just gotten home from the from swim practice or whatever. And she finds out. Do you remember this scene? Do you know what I'm talking about? No, I, I see. I, I've only seen it once. It was a while, a long time ago. And I remember, because this was, if I'm not mistaken, this was uh, Alejandro Gonzalez and Yaritu's follow-up. That's right. To uh, Amores Perros. I think that's like mm-hmm. the next movie he made. And uh, I love Amores Perros. It's like, I think, top 10 movies of all time for me. And uh, mm. and so I went in with really high expectations of 21 Grams. And it was like, okay, because it's told very like uh, back and forth with the chronology, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly, right? Mm. Yeah, because it follows like three storylines and how they kind of intersect. Right. So there's a lot of there's a lot of cut cutaways and back and forth and that kind of thing. Yeah, so Amores Perros does a little bit of that. And then Babel does that also. Like, I think that was the next one he made. And but I, I remember thinking that like the storytelling was like very well crafted, but I wasn't like really feeling the emotion. Uh, and so to me, it was always like, oh, it just wasn't as good as Amores Perros. And I think that that's one okay. of the reasons why I like put it back. And I don't remember. I remember the story. And I remember the reason why it's called 21 Grams, which to me is the most uh, fascinating thing. Like, I think they explained at the beginning of the movie or at the very end, there's like a thing of how when a body dies, somehow mm. it loses 21 grams. And so there's the right. theory that twenty those 21 grams are the way of your soul, which I think right. I'm like, that's crazy. The movie doesn't wow. really do much with that. But, but just the idea right. that that's, I don't know, I, I found that fascinating. 
frustrating. But all right, well, you've convinced me, Gerald. I'm gonna yeah, rewatch at least that scene, if not the whole movie. It, yeah, I was gonna say it's it's depressing. It is a deep, dark movie that is super weighty and will will just like drain you <laughs> of all emotion. But I think it's a great. I mean, it's well acted. I mean, aside from Naomi Watts, Benicio del Toro, Sean Penn, mm-hmm. M- Melissa Leo, all give just like top notch performances. The direction, as you mentioned, is is top tier as well. So it's it's a sad movie, and I think that's what it's meant to be because it's a movie about dealing with grief and these you know these different storylines that we eventually find out why they intersect you know all three of our main characters are dealing with a different tragedy you know i just mm-hmm. mentioned naomi watts's but it's a I, I feel like it's told beautifully and if you're able to kind of put yourself in that situation as a viewer it it just wrecked me man it, it really did and her performance was just moving I'll just say is definitely, in my opinion, among one of the best of the last like 20 years. Wow. I'll just tell you from like an actress standpoint. And she was nominated that year, but didn't win. I don't know who won in 03. I can't remember. But I remember thinking that's got to be the best actress of that year. And, you know, she was nominated, but didn't win. But it's a great performance. Naomi Watts in 21 Grams is my number three. And we're up to our runner ups. Julio. So what do you got at number two, buddy? All right, number two. Number two is a very recent movie. I know that many people watched it, but it was... Well, maybe they did. I don't remember if it got nominated for Best Doc. It didn't, no. But I, 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 it got some buzz. It's a documentary. It's called The Painter and the Thief. Mm, it was, yeah. yeah, it was on Amazon. It must still be on Amazon. It was... This happens maybe halfway through the movie, a third of the way into the movie. So it's not a big spoiler for how the movie turns out. But it's a big spoiler in the sense that this is a big turning point in the story. The movie is about a painter and a thief. The, the, the thief is somebody that you know, stole this woman's painting that was being displayed at a, you know, museum or whatever. And then the guy got caught. But when they caught him, like, he couldn't really remember because he was so high and so just burned out that he couldn't remember what he did with the painting. And, uh, this woman, the painter, kind of starts trying to interview him and talk to him and just trying to get him to reveal what happened. Like, I keep saying, well, I don't know where it is. Well, they end up forming a, a, this sort of relationship. You know, he has, as part of his punishment for having been caught and having stolen the, the, the painting, you know, he's doing community service and then he's supposed to help her with whatever she she wants. And she's like, well, I want to paint you. And so he becomes kind of like her part-time model and she's painting him. And then this scene is the, the first time that she reveals to him like a painting of that she's made of him. And this guy who by now we've kind of gotten a sense that of course he's had a really rough upbringing and he's had, you know, a lot of just confidence problems and, you know, a lot of self-hate suddenly sees himself painting, you know, this massive, you know, painting from this woman and he looks kind of noble there in his reaction. He just breaks down in tears. It is, it's like the, it's the serious version of the Ben Stiller cry from my last pick because he's just bawling. He can't talk. And the woman is just like surprised. She doesn't know how to handle it because, you know, she thought that he'd be happy and he is, but, but he has such an emotional reaction that Mm -hmm. he just can't handle it. And it's, you know, it's a doctor documentary like this thing that's what makes it the coolest thing like it was happening it, it really it, it right. was not staged it's just they thought they were shooting this moment of joy and in a way it is you know but i don't think anybody that was involved in that in, in that production expected, expected it to go that, that. way yeah right. and, and of course as you can imagine after that moment you know the relationship deepens and then the, the movie kind of goes off in a in a very interesting path okay but yeah, it's it's really good. By the time that the documentary is done, like I mean, I have my issues with it, but mm-hmm. that moment is it's worth watching if just for that 
that moment, which, like I said, comes in like well, 20 minutes in or so. Well, ironically, this has been on my watch list for six months or so. Oh. I mean, I, I, I really wanted to see this when I was going through some docs this past year, and I haven't caught it yet. I, I want to say it's on Hulu, but I could be wrong. But It's, it's uh, on Hulu one of the Amazon services. Prime. Yeah. yeah, on one of the services I have, it's literally in my queue. So I need to check it out. And now that you've given it that stamp of approval, I think I'll have to as well. Get some Kleenexes and uh, check it out. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. So there you go. So the painter and the thief is your runner up. My runner up is one that the one that came to mind right away. It's not my number one, ironically, but this is the first one I thought of. And it's the scene with Matt Damon and Robin Williams in Goodwill Hunting. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. Yeah. You know, Robin Williams, you know, rest in peace is maybe part of the reason why, because his legacy and wanting to remember him. And, you know, I feel like this is his best acting performance. I mean, it's going to sound kind of stupid, but I think maybe the genie from Aladdin might rival it a little bit. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But other than that, I think his performance in Good Will Hunting is his best. And in this scene, you know, he's getting Will, you know, his patient and friend that he's kind of befriended over the course of however many months to just kind of come to terms with his past. You know, he's put on this, you know, the character of Will puts on this facade and this like tough guy demeanor and kind of like shields a lot of the stuff that he's been going through as a, as a mechanism to not deal with it. And as a therapist, Sean, portrayed by Robin Williams, knows that's not the way to go. You got to come to terms with what, you know, with who you are and what you've gone through in order to get past it. And so there's a scene where, you know, he's genuinely telling Will, like, look, man, you know, all the stuff you went through with your foster dad beating you and like juvie and all this stuff that you've gone through, like none of that's your fault. You know, it's not your fault. And it kind of starts out with Will just kind of shrugging it off like, yeah, man, you know, thanks, whatever. And Robin Williams just keeps repeating it to him to get him to kind of like actually understand what he's saying to him. And when he does, you know, Matt Damon is beautiful here because he goes from like kind of lethargic, like whatever, dude, you know, to like almost anger, Mm -hmm. like leave me alone, like fuck you, like I don't want to talk about this, to like just catharsis, like, you know, letting it all fall. And I don't think Matt Damon's a very good actor between me and you. I hope Matt Damon doesn't watch the stream, (laughs) but I'm not... I'm not hot, a huge Matt Damon. Hot take <laughs> hidden in this episode. I mean, I like. Well, let me let me rephrase. I like him, and I, there's very few movies of his I dislike. But I'm just saying, I, I don't look at him and go, "Wow, this guy's like you know moving mountains and winning Oscars." I don't know. I just don't think of him as that type of actor. But in this scene, I mean, it it really he really was that. Like he you know grabbed onto Robin Williams, mm-hmm. and he was like crying, like he was really crying. He was emotional in the moment. You know, he wrote this script with his boy Ben Affleck, so he had a personal connection to the script, I'm sure. And you just felt it, you know, and you just saw that Will as the character was finally able to say was finally able to come to terms with what he had kind of been like bottling up inside for so many years or whatever and robin williams had built this camaraderie with him and was able to bring that out of him which was a beautiful thing in the movie and it was a necessity for that character to move on in a therapeutic way which of course is what sean's job was to do there so it's the first one i thought of and it's my number two what do you think man no i agree i we did goodwill hunting a few months ago um on the show and it was the first time i rewatched it since i don't know you know probably since it came out no i probably seen it since but you know at least five years maybe longer and certainly the first time i'd watched it since robin williams passed away and it's it's inescapable i mean if you if you grew up watching robin williams movies then obviously when he passed away that that hit you a certain way and then watching good movies of his they just have that extra level of just poignancy now and uh he i mean this was a good movie with a great performance before he passed away and now that that has it has that extra weight it's just it just wrecks you it i I remember 
watching it and I mean I'd never gotten emotional with that scene until this last time I watched it because he's mm, in, through the entire movie really because uh, it's not just that there's that they have that scene on the bench earlier mm-hmm. and yeah. he where Robin Williams just kind of bears it all out and nobody's yeah. crying there but it's still you know it's just so powerful so it's emotional yeah yeah it's it's great it's it's good and I remember the first time I watched it I didn't get it like I mean I'm like okay I get what they're doing but I didn't really the the idea of oh this kid needs to really understand that it's not his fault like right. that went over my it. head the first I mean I was what 18 maybe the first time I watched it I was way too young to came like, out in 97 so yeah. came out in 1997 initially and you know another thing too I've mentioned before on my show not just Goodwill Hunting you could point to a couple other ones like dead poet society and you know a couple other ones but robin williams is such a outlandish like comedian basically like he's literally like sweating profusely whenever he's performing because Mm -hmm. he's so manic and like it's just a frenzy of like emotion and like jokes and like whatever and this was such a subdued performance for him that there's a reason why he won the supporting actor academy award that year i mean it was just so out of character for him to play this character and he did it so well and he really took on that fatherly role and in this scene you know that was the climax of this movie really because both of those characters had finally come together and they had finally realized you know what their point in this whole like therapeutic relationship that they had was so it was a really climactic moment for that film too and i'm sure in the screenplay when when matt damon wrote it too so you could see he had a personal connection to it for that reason but this is one of my favorites man this is in my top like 10 or 15 of all time i don't know if you know that about me no i love this movie you know i graduated high school in 94 i was in college when this came out i guess it just hit me at the right time i have a lot of friends in the boston area i'm very familiar with that city and like i don't know it just hit me really hard south boston and Goodwill Hunting is my number two. The scene, it's not your fault. And we are up to our number one, Julio. Let's go ahead and uh, reveal what your num- numero uno crying scene is. Well, my numero uno, it so much like you, like my number one was like, okay, I know this one has to be there. It, it's going to be number one. And then after I already had the list all put together, I'm like, is it really like the, exactly what you said? Do people cry in it? Or am I just remembering how much I cried when I watched the movie? And uh, so I looked it up on YouTube and it's just, I mean, it's one of those where most of the scene, the character is trying to hold back the tears. He's trying to keep it together, which makes it almost uh-huh. even worse, you know? But then at the end, when the scene is over, you see him and he just kind of like, you know, holds his his eyes, you know, and he wipes away and it's like, I say it, it qualifies. There's, there's tears. That's fine, okay. Sure. There's a little bit of, you know, <laughs> if, if, if the jury decides that this is, this is not qualified, well, I'll throw in like the end of Avengers Endgame. Everybody cries in that movie at the end. Except Nick. <laughs> well, the characters, I mean, like everybody, like oh, every oh, Avenger yeah, yeah, cries yeah, yeah. after, after what happens to Tony. But yeah. So uh, the movie is Big Fish, which is okay. one right, of my favorite nice. movies ever. Probably the hardest I've ever cried in a movie theater. Unexpectedly, I didn't expect, you know, it just, it kind of sneaks up on you. But the, and here I'm about to ruin the ending of Big Fish for anybody that hasn't seen it. So I urge you, skip maybe a minute yeah. because it's worth just going into it blind. But the idea of Big Fish, they, the father is dying. He spent the entire movie, the son has been uh, just resenting the way that the father has constantly spent his life kind of telling these tall stories. And, you know, he's felt that that has kept him from connecting, from truly connecting uh, as people. And now the father's on his deathbed and he's weak 
and the son's sitting by his bedside and he doesn't know what to do and then the father kind of like asks him to finish his story you know through the entire movie we've we've seen the story of the father's life and it's being just big and broad and there's all these crazy characters and you're like there's no way that that's that's really how it happened and that's how the son feels and uh and so the son starts telling the story of you know how his father dies telling him to his father as he's dying and uh, and so the movie becomes you know it cuts back and forth between what's really happening in the hospital room which is the father is dying just listening and and then w- what the son is telling him and you see this recreation and it's just basically you know this crazy sequence where he carries the father out of the hospital and puts him in the in the car and they drive and they get stuck in traffic but then the giant that's part of the father's stories moves the cars around and then they drive down like through the woods and then all the characters from the father's stories are there kind of like waving goodbye at him as you know the son carries him all the way to the lake where you know his first story the first story that we saw in the movie where it took place and then a big fish comes out and swallows him and takes him away. And uh, it is incredibly emotional if you watch the movie because it just, you're seeing, you know, father and son come together, but you're also seeing, you know, these characters say goodbye to his their creator in a way. And then right. and then it's over and you cut, you know, to, to the son. And of course his name escapes me, but right now, you know, it's Captain Dr. Manhattan from Watchmen. And he's just, he's just sitting there and that's it. His father's gone. And, you know, he did that last thing and, uh, and then he wipes his right. eyes and he comes out to like, you know, just let people know. And, and then, you know, by now you're like crying and then you get to see the funeral. <laughs> and, and then in the funeral, all those characters he created actually show up and they, you can see like the real versions of those people, right. you know? And so Steve right. Buscemi, Danny DeVito, like the, the giant guy, like they all show up as regular people. So they really existed, you know? He had just right. embellished it. But anyway, it is the best thing that Tim Burton has ever done. And... Yeah. He has never done anything like that again. Like I, I, I feel like he he swam for the fences with Big Fish, and it didn't really get as much recognition as maybe he was hoping for, or maybe he just felt that he didn't need to do it again because that was you know the one thing that he wanted to do that way. But since then, well, you know, this is he's gone back to yeah, the usual. Yeah, I mean, I'm a big Tim Burton fan. I will say that Big Fish is definitely a one off in his career. You know, I mean, you could maybe throw a fantastical movie like Edward Scissorhands kind of in that realm where it's like mm-hmm. kind of dealing with that kind of like underdog story of emotion and but yeah big fish is very different in his uh, filmography it's one of his best i mean I, you know i don't know i'm a huge batman 89 fan so i don't know if i'm gonna say right here that's his best no crying but, scene there except for batman fans yeah. <laughs> that's right but yeah no it's it's a great pick man albert finney plays the elderly father in that scene mm-hmm. and yeah what's the name it, of the it, son it's really emotional that is Dude, that's in the morning show right now. Billy Crudup. Billy Crudup. Yes, almost famous. Yeah, yeah. Billy yep, Crudup. That's right. Almost famous. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. So, man, good pick. I didn't see that coming, but yeah, I didn't know that you were a big fan of that movie. But oh, I yeah. love Big Fish. That's that's a great pick, and I've seen that a few times, and I recollect that very well. So that's your number one. My number one is another. I again, I just kept, these kind of came to me. So, but I feel like it's kind of obvious because guys, if, if if there's an actor alive that can make you cry as a viewer while he's crying over the loss of a volleyball, <laughs> it's got to be Tom Hanks, right? I mean, I fuck. 
cried like a goddamn baby when I saw this, and I still get choked up when I see it today. Tom Hanks in Castaway is my number one. You know, he's crying on this makeshift raft. He finally gets off this island that he's been trapped on for, I want to say, seven or eight years in the movie. He finally gets off of it, and his only companion has been this volleyball that he named Wilson that he drew a face on, and it's just been his, you know, only friend for many years. And they ride off into the ocean together, hope to be captured and get to the other side. <laughs> or whatever and on this adventure and this escape plan tom hanks accidentally loses him and he falls into the ocean so he's at a crossroads where his character can either dive into the ocean to try to get this ball or he can stay on the raft because if he and and he's also very tired and like his limbs are given out and he just can't do it like physically and he just starts breaking down and just screaming wilson you know, and he's just like, Wilson, please forgive me. I'm sorry. You know, so you get the sense that, you know, he really does have a connection with this an- inanimate object. And but like you also get a sense of how detached he is from reality, you know, but he's still smart enough to stay on the raft because if he got in the ocean, he would obviously drown or die or whatever. So he knew what he had to do and he had to let that volleyball go. It sounds and, so and ridiculous when you say it I know. <laughs> That's my point. I know. The fact that you say it and and you go, what? Like, if nobody had seen this movie and they hear us talking, they're like, what? Like, why are you crying? But Tom Hanks, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Julio, but really, really, like, makes you believe. Like, I buy into the emotion of what Tom Hanks was feeling in that scene, you know? What do you think of Castaway in this this pick? I, I agree, and I think that it also, the fact that you kind of, you've been with him through, I mean, obviously it hasn't been eight years for the audience, but you've <clears> been sitting through, like, a pretty long movie with Tom Hanks and that volleyball, and that's been kind of it. So you mm-hmm. have that connection as well. I think that you get it. I've never watched Castaway beginning to end, so I'm kind of, like, disconnected oh, from that journey. Okay. I've seen, like, bits and pieces. I've seen the ending, All like, right. twice, I think. Uh, but I, I get it. I, I think that much yeah. like your other pick you know the it's not a bad thing but it has become kind of a meme the whole wilson thing and so that like like you were saying with brokeback mountain right like sometimes a little bit of it just pop culture has taken it and run with it in the opposite direction Mm -hmm. (laughs) but that doesn't matter when you're watching the movie like when you're watching the movie and you're in it beginning to end then it still works dude i still get choked up i had this came up on actually no what did this come up on it wasn't tearjerker movies it was something else anyway this came up on another list and i had to grab a clip of this scene for the episode this was a couple years ago and i cried as i'm like grabbing the clip for the episode because i'm like watching it to like know when to clip it or whatever and i'm like literally crying as i'm watching the clip that i'm going to be grabbing for the episode so this this one gets me but tom hanks is one of those actors because i i didn't want to put multiple like actors crying on the on the list or whatever but there's quite a few that he's done i don't know if you know that or if you've thought about that but like uh, i don't want to spoil your honorable mentions but there's a few uh tom hanks is not in my honorable mentions but i know i mean okay, so I, there are a couple that i could think of yeah i'll i'll just say i mean there's a couple crying scenes in forrest gump yep. the ending of captain phillips yep. when he breaks down when he's getting checked out by the the doctors there was you know just awesome there's a scene in philadelphia when he is standing in the street realizing that he's basically alone and you know that he has hiv no mm-hmm. one wants to help him and he's just standing there and the, cl- the camera cl- jonathan demi closes up on him and his eyes and it's just like it's kind of the like the denzel tier which ironically denzel's in that movie yes doesn't but cry, it's like though. the denzel tier and he's on the street and just you know 
So Tom Hanks is one of those actors that can cry on cue, apparently. But yeah, he he sold me in uh, Castaway, and that's why it's my number one, man. So are you uh, surprised by that pick, or did you kind of? That's is that a popular it, it, one? That's a pretty popular one, right? It, it did not come up when I was looking at stuff online. Oh, okay. Forrest right. Gump comes up a lot, and uh, Forrest Gump's a good one too. Yeah, so that's why I didn't put it. I didn't put it in my on my list because really Forrest Gump when he's talking to Jenny, like Jenny's grave, and he breaks mm-hmm, down. Yep. That's you know that's a good one, but. But That's it's also it, it's it's pretty popular. So I I, I thought maybe my it would favorite, be yours. My favorite one in Forrest Gump is when he finds out he has a son and he wants to know if he's smart or if he's mentally challenged. And he asks her, "He's like, is he? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, is yeah. he? Is he? And then yeah, and he goes, just does that kind of thing where like he doesn't really cry, but he gets like kind of choked up mm-hmm. and you know the eyes water a little bit. So Tom Hanks is a good one, man. He's he knows what he's doing over there. Next episode, top so five Tom Hanks crying scenes. <laughs> there probably are <laughs> at least five. My number one castaway there when he has to say goodbye to Wilson. All right, Julio, I tell you what, man, let's take a quick promo break. We haven't done that yet. And when we come back, we will wrap up our top fives and then we will go ahead and give whatever honorable mentions we have. Okay. So Sounds hang good. tight, brother. We'll be right back. Hello, listeners. Did you know that there is a lot more content where this episode came from? As you may know, we are an independent podcast and we rely on donations in order to keep going. Over on our Patreon site, you will find several ways to stretch your dollar. I am currently producing six exclusive series that you can only get there. They include popular ones such as My First Time and 100 G-Tunes. You'll also get regular main top five episodes, just like this one, super early, often weeks in advance. For as little as $1, you can help the show continue. Just visit us over at patreon.com slash two peas on a pod, or you can check the show notes for this very episode. Now let's get back to the countdown. All right, guys, welcome back. As I said, pre-break, Julio is here from the Contrarians. We're going to wrap up our top fives and let you know what we had as our top five crying scenes from the characters in movies. And then we'll also give you our honorable mentions. Julio, why don't you remind everyone what you had over there? What was your top five? My top five. Number five was uh, Shame, Michael Fassbender's single tear. And uh, number four was Itu Mama Tambien. Uh, that was the, the crying scene when uh, when the, the main character gets the phone call. Number three, there's something about Mary, Ben Stiller crying at the end because he he's given away. Cameron Diaz. Number two, the painter and the thief. When when the thief breaks down in tears, uh, when he sees the the painting of him. Number one, Big Fish. When Billy Crudup does his best to hold up his tears as he's telling the story of his father's death to his father, and then at the very end, he wipes it, wipes his eyes. So there was a little bit of tears. Yeah, it counts, man. Because it counts because my number five was only a little bit of water in the eyes too from Joy. <laughs> animated water. And that animated water. Yeah, I guess I cheated there. But Inside Out saying goodbye to Bing Bong was my number five. My number four was from Brokeback Mountain when Ennis finds his shirt at Jack's home. My number three was 21 Grams when Naomi Watts' character finds out what happened to her family. My number two was It's Not Your Fault, the scene with Robin Williams and Matt Damon from Goodwill Hunting. And my number one was Tom Hanks saying goodbye to Wilson in Castaway, which is a volleyball, guys, <laughs> for anyone that hasn't seen 
Castaway, and that's my number one for some reason, but it just makes me weep. So, And Tom Hanks is definitely crying in that scene. <laughs> All right, Julio, we're going to shout out the fans over online here in a second in the old suggestion box. But before we do that, what did you have for your honorable mentions, buddy? So my, okay. my number six is a movie that my co-host, dear Alex, doesn't really care much for. But I wonder if he even he would agree that this is kind of a well-pulled off emotional moment. And that's uh, the end of Juno. After Juno has given up the baby and now she's just, I guess it's postpartum. She's just lying in bed and Michael Sarah is holding her. It's it's not a big crying scene, but, you know, there's tears and there's just that silent acknowledgement of, man, I, I wanted to give up this baby and the baby's off with somebody that is going to love the baby. But it still sucks. It's a big emotional thing, giving up a baby. So, And it's not... Underscore. I mean, there's a lot going on. You know, there's a voiceover, I think, happening while the scene is taking place. But it's just, it's one of the most subtle moments in that movie. And there aren't very many <laughs> subtle moments in that movie. But it, right. it but it works really well. Uh, number seven, Magnolia, which is one of my favorite movies ever. Tom- you talking about the Tom Cruise breakdown? Huh? Of course. Yeah, Don't you leave me, you one. fucking asshole. Don't you leave yeah, me. Yeah, I thought about that. He, yeah. That's another where he's like really trying really hard not to cry. And then he just can't stop it mm-hmm. at the end. Number eight, crowd pleaser, but you know what? Bring it up. Jerry Maguire at the end. He goes. More Tom Cruise? Yeah, it's. Well, here's why it's memorable to me. It's because she is looking down and she has a moment where she looks up and you see that she's crying. And then she says, You had me at hello. And it's like, You had me at hello is a good line, but it's just the fact that, you know, she. She looks up, she has tears in her eyes, and she's smiling. And you're like, that's yeah. happy ending. Yeah, sure. Good job, Cameron Crowe. Back when that's you could still one, yeah. do it. Um, I know. N- number nine. Now, this is a movie that my co-host loves. Blue is the mm. Warmest Color, which, have you Ooh, seen it? good one. At the very oh, end. Yeah, I mean, love it. she cries a lot in, during that movie. A lot. Sure. Both of them cry a lot. But that meltdown at the end when she's just yeah. trying to get her back, and it's not happening, and mm-hmm. she's just... Yeah, I thought about that one, too, actually, for this list. Yeah, yeah. that's a good one. Uh, and then let's close with with a fun one number 10 face off when mm-hmm. Nicolas Cage well it's so it's it's Archer in the body of Nicolas Cage so Archer as mm-hmm. so the good guy as Nicolas Cage sneaks back mm-hmm. into his house to talk to his wife and try to explain what's happened which is impossible mm-hmm. but he has her there and he's he's just struggling to make sense of you know to, to make the movie make sense to her and he he's freaking out he punches the the, the photo that he's there and then at the end when he's finishing the story and starting to he's telling her that everybody that knew what happened got killed he just breaks down and cries at the end. like at the very end of the story he starts crying so yeah it was right. I, I like it it's 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 good that movie has such good acting <laughs> yeah more yeah. Act, you could say better acting than it deserves and i like it a lot but you know it's true yeah it's really yeah, good that's a good one i didn't see that one coming either that's a good one though so no crossover believe it or not hey. on this entire 10 we didn't have any crossover that was a goal Crazy. yeah you did it man well my number six you know i wanted to give a little love to some kid actors you know we were just kind of talking in the interim about uh, a particular kid actor in a film called My Girl that I thought didn't hold up quite as good. But I just watched this movie again last week, and I've seen it probably 50 times. And it still holds up from kid actors that were around 12 or 13 years old. It's from Stand By Me from 1986. And there's actually a couple scenes that I could pick. But the one I'm choosing is when River Phoenix's character breaks down when he's talking to Gordy by the campfire mm-hmm. about, you know, kind of being called out for stealing the milk money. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, but it, when, uh, it turns out that he tried. When he learned that adults suck. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and he tried to give the money back, but nobody gave him credit for giving the money back, and he still had to take the rap for stealing the money. And like, you know, basically he, you know, he breaks down in that scene, and at the end, he's like, "I just want to go somewhere where nobody knows me. You know, and I just want to start over." And I feel like no matter what age, we've all probably said that to ourselves at some point or another. Like, I just want to start this over. Like, you know, maybe we said it at twelve, maybe we said it last week. I mean, who knows? <laughs> but I think we've all kind of felt that at one time or another. And I think River. Phoenix was another actor that left us way too soon. And this was a really good, you know, kid performance. I want to say he was maybe 13 in that scene. So did a really good job. My number seven, Julio, was on my list already, but it's definitely on my fucking list now that I know Dan hates it from Netflix and Swill. But it's Matthew McConaughey's Marathon Cry in Interstellar. All right. Now, to me, this is a clinic in cinematic crying. I mean, he cries on screen for like four and a half minutes, dude. And he's just going through so many emotions. The camera's like on him. It's like almost like a live feed of him as he's like watching these different videos and like remembering things. And we see happiness. We see like, you know, sadness. We see. And he just he's just bawling. There's a point where he's like laugh crying. Where he's doing nothing. Uh-huh, he's crying uh-huh. while, while he's laughing. Yep. So, I mean, say what you want about the movie, but McConaughey's, like, commitment to that scene and this performance, I think, is something that should be mentioned on this list. So that's my number seven. Yeah, that, that, that is number- amazing. And that that's another one that's taken over Twitter, the internet, as, oh, as yeah. a meme. Mm-hmm. And oh, yeah. bless it for it, because it's great. <laughs> yeah, for sure, yeah. And my number eight would be it's one of my favorite movies of the last decade and it's the very end scene and it's ironic because it's over the end credits so this is basically a credit scene that i'm naming at my number eight but it's when elio from call me by your name breaks down by the fireplace okay. at the, portrayed by timothy chalamet who i think is one of the better actors in hollywood today but yeah he is coming to terms with the fact that now of course we know there was another book written but at the time as the story's playing out, you think, as the viewer or somebody who read the book, like, this was a forbidden kind of like summer fling. And, you know, Elio's under the impression that this is his soulmate. And he's come to terms with the fact that I'm never going to see my soulmate ever again. You know, because this is in the 80s. So this is like pre-FaceTime, pre-social media, <laughs> like whatever. If you can't see him, you don't see him. <laughs> you know what I mean? Back then. So he's kind of coming to terms with that. And he just breaks down, you know, and he's just... The credits play over him sitting in front of the fire, literally crying for like five minutes have you seen this you know what i'm talking oh, yeah, about yeah yeah I, like, did you hear yeah. that uh the so the sequel apparently is set in the 2000s and oh okay and it's called call me by my username mm. i'm kidding that's not <laughs> true at all <laughs> i'm glad you said you were kidding because i did not know that and i was like wow i'm glad that's not happening now but okay call me by your username yeah no no i I like it a lot that's that's a great ending and and actually going back to the sequel it's kind of a bummer i'm sure hopefully it turns out good but to me that story ends there. It's such a perfect stopping point. Well, I had read they're not doing the sequel film now, or it's on pause or whatever. So I think it has something to do with Army Hammer's troubles. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, so I don't know what they're going to do with it. I mean, I know the book's already written, obviously, but I don't know if they're going to do a film version of it or maybe maybe further down the road. My number nine is maybe a surprise, but it's when Chris is basically going to the sunken place and get out. And Daniel Kaluuya's character is basically frozen in the chair and starts crying. Oh, that's Uh, right. And he's just like, can't move. And he's uh, kind of in a coma, basically entranced by what's going on. He's been hypnotized. And, you know, you can tell that he's crying, but he can't do anything about it. And I feel like Kaluuya really pulled that off. And then my number 10 we already mentioned would be the scene when Tom Hanks goes out into the street in Philadelphia when he's meeting with all the attorneys 
attorneys and he realizes no one's going to help him. And he kind of has just just like overwhelming feeling of loneliness and just thinking he's basically going to, you know, quote unquote, die alone because no one wants to help him kind of tell his story. And Tom Hanks does a beautiful job there of just kind of enough tears to where it's just kind of like you can see the emotion, but it's not like an over the top like breakdown, you know. So that would be my number 10 from Philadelphia. And there you have it. Now, Julio, you know what we like to do, man, at the end of every every episode, you're usually a part of this, but since you're on the episode, you'll be <laughs> on the other end of it. But we're going to go over to Facebook and see what the fans had to say. We're going to open up the old suggestion box, man. Let's check it out and see what we got over there. Because as I said, Julio, I mean, you had no crossover, which is crazy. Hey. So maybe the, maybe there'll be some more uh, fresh fresh uh, entries over here. Chris Yaney, uh, a damn soldier for two peas. I love this guy. He's a patron and always commenting every week. Thank you so much, dude. He says the end of breakfast. Breakfast at Tiffany's. Are you familiar with that? I haven't seen it. That's a, the big. It's Audrey Hepburn, spot. but I don't know. I don't know the. I don't know this. I also haven't seen it in like twenty years, but I don't remember that one. But I do love Audrey Hepburn, so I have to check that out. Doug from Good Times, great movie, says the end of Last American Virgin. Do you know that one? Haven't seen it. I know of it. Isn't that a comedy though? I don't. I don't know. I, actually, I think it might be. I don't know. I love how a lot of these are like the end of the movie. You know, they try to send you out crying. You know. Let's see. Jared Taylor, patron or friend of the show, says Batman begins when the young Bruce Wayne breaks down in front of Alfred, uh-huh. blaming blaming himself for his parents' death. He also says chasing Amy when Alyssa breaks up with Holden. Oh, that is brutal though that in the parking lot i'm assuming that's when oh just... yeah, yeah yeah that must be what he's saying yeah. yeah yep i remember that now he also says sean of the dead when sean's mother dies and the breakfast club when claire breaks down and let's see steve kite says emma stone and easy a when she's confessing and says i kind of hate myself too oh yeah i love emma stone <laughs> aaron dundee says godfather three when mary dies Oh, that's that's a that's a Pacino meme. That's just Pacino yeah, that on the is. stairs, just screaming. That is a Pacino one. Brad, Brad, Brad from the Cinema Guy says Furious Seven when Paul Walker rides off, and I think he meant he was crying because Paul Walker's not crying in that, right? Yeah, no, n- nobody, nobody's crying in that. I mean, except for the audience. Nobody, yeah, nobody cried in Fast and Furious except me. I'm trying to rewatch <laughs> these things. Dan Roski, top tier patron of the show a promising young loyal he is billy elliott when billy's dad as he watches billy in swan lake goodwill hunting uh-huh. is not your fault at brokeback mountain he mentioned as well and then he says my girl he needs his glasses which is the scene that yanny was referring to in the youtube chat earlier too i believe that's when macaulay culkin's basically in the casket at his funeral and she goes up to pay her respects you know they do the whole thing where everybody goes up to see him and when she gets up there she breaks down she says he needs his glasses because he was you know he wasn't wearing them or whatever so it's emotional. Sounds I just rough. didn't think it held. I just didn't think it held up when I watched it. David Powell says when Ace Ventura is crying when he realizes Einhorn is a man. <laughs> that was not necessarily PC, is it, for today's day and age? It's funny, though. It's funny. It's a memorable scene. I'll give him that. Uh, let's see. Chris Brayton says well, you mentioned this when you said Forrest Gump when he realized or when he asked if Forrest is or little Forrest is smart. Oh, that one's yours. Yeah, because yeah, the one I oh, mentioned, I mentioned is when that he's one, yeah. talking to. Jenny's grave. Yeah. Joey Austin says Mike Myers in Wayne's world when splashes water on his face and says, I never learned to read. I don't know if I remember that. I haven't seen either huh. of the Wayne worlds. I don't know if I remember that. I've seen it, but I don't know if I remember that. Big Lebowski, real men cry, real men do cry. And then Li- Lily Taylor in Say Anything. 
All right. When does she cry? I don't remember that. I don't know. He's well. He put in quotes. Joe lies when he cries. I remember the song. I know, I know she, yeah. she's she's doing the song. Joe lies. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, another shout out for my girl from Jenny Markle. N- uh, N- our buddy Nick, who we've mentioned a couple times already tonight, says the end of About Schmidt. He loves that movie. I thought about it. I, I thought about the end of About Schmidt, but then yeah. I you know, and I didn't even think that Nick was probably going to bring it up. But it just I don't know. It just didn't seem to fit once I had all the all the picks. Mm-hmm. Uh, Melissa from Brook Reading he says still magnolias which is a good one i actually thought about that one too when sally feel when she breaks down over the death of shelby which was portrayed by julia roberts and let's see i'll end on jay talbot jay talbot says stand by me but he mentioned another scene that i consider which is when gordy breaks down and tells his mates that he knows his father wishes he had died instead of his brother yeah john cusack played his brother Mm -hmm. and his dad's like it should have been you and yeah, just the whole thing, Gordy's whole thing was was really heartbreaking. So there you go. Thanks, guys, so much for the fan feedback. Sorry I didn't get to everyone. We had a ton of responses this week, Julio. Julio from the Contrarians is here. Alex was here last week. We're getting a bunch of Contrarians in July. So hopefully, <laughs> hopefully you guys are digging it. But, you know, Alex is here last week. But why don't you tell them where they can go, man? Tell them whatever you want to tell them where they can find you. You know, just the, the standard. Go to your podcatchers. Search for the Contrarians. We, we're a movie show. We, we talk about high highly rated movies on Rotten Tomatoes and we talk about them as if they were rotten and then we talk about rotten movies as if they were fresh that's our that's our gimmick we go against the Rotten Tomatoes machine and then in the second half of the show we tell you how we really feel we are about to do a bunch of uh, M. Night Shyamalan movies you know just fulfilling our promise from uh, the live stream for the cure so that should be fun and you can find us on Twitter at Contrarian Prime and on our website wearethecontrarians.com there you go Julio, thanks so much for being here, man. It's always a blast when I have you back on the show, and I hope you come back. Yeah, I, I need to figure out another another kind of like quirky top five that I can throw at you where we won't have any crossover. That's that's always a goal. Well, you well you did it this time. You did it real good. And I don't think we had a lot last time you were on, too, if, if any. I think we had, like, we always had at least one. And, and now I had, like, Holly Shore movies and all <laughs> kinds of shit on there. Remember that? Yes. <laughs> no, yeah, you always bring the challenging list, but they're always a lot of fun, so I really appreciate it. And as you know, I'll be talking to you online pretty much every day. Yes. <laughs> I talk to you all the time. So <laughs> I'll talk to you soon, but I'll hope to have you back on the show uh, real soon too, man. So Anytime. I appreciate you being here. Cool. It's been a pleasure. All right, guys. We will be back next week with another top five and another pee on the pod. Everybody take care. 